It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, all you Golden State Warriors fans out there. You got to tune in to the Oakland Warriors podcast, the official dubs podcast of Fans First Sports Network. It's awesome. It's hosted by Patrick Epino and a rotating crew of guests who follow this franchise for decades, just like Doug and I have with the Giants. The show dives deep into all things Warriors, both on the court and off. Will the Dubs be legit contenders this year? Is Steve Kerr actually going to play Jonathan Kaminga enough to have a breakout year? Will the Chris Paul trade be a blessing or a curse? I'm very interested to know that myself. And most importantly, can Steph win another title or maybe two? The show takes an all-encompassing look at the greatest team in the NBA. No hot takes, no agendas, no bluster, and no goofy knee-jerk reactions. Just smart, insightful Warriors talk about the past, present, and future from one of the best in the business. Tune in and subscribe to the People's Podcast, the Oakland Warriors Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Oakland Warriors. Let's go! You're listening to Giants Croncast. A podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants. Featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazzoni. Part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. Wow, lots happened since uh, 20 days ago when we last did our podcast there. Uh, congratulations, Doug. You are now uh, married. I am. Yes, thank you. Uh, to Bob Melvin, congratulations! <laughs> Look, Bob brought Bob brought so much to our marriage. He brings uh, a lot of experience. He's uh, he's a great hugger. <laughs> Three time manager of the year, uh, I believe. Your best man said yeah. that like six times during the speech. Yes, he's not going to platoon me. I was really worried about that. <laughs> uh, but you know, I'm the starter, and so he's going to give me a shot, and we're going to see how it goes. 
So I've already spoiled uh, what the episode's about. We're going to talk about Bob Melvin, the new manager of the Giants. Uh, also, Far Anxiety Extended. So we'll discuss that actually a little bit more in a moment because let's also get out of the way. Congratulations. Obviously, that's not getting out of the way. It's very happy for you. And to like christen your marriage, you get to watch uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks take on the Texas Rangers in the World Series. Wow. What a matchup. <laughs> that is as sexy as it gets. The classic Diamondbacks-Rangers rivalry we've all been watching for years and years. It's been so hot. Just absolutely scorching hot. And now it is coming to the fall classic. So the funniest part to me about the Diamondbacks winning, which this was the promise of the premise of expanding the wild card, right? Was that a team could get in on, on a fart fume and then go all the way to the World Series. Uh, but it is amazing to watch everyone who is watching that NLCS seeing what the Giants saw in August, right? With the Diamondbacks outfielders darting all the way around, catching every ball in play, and then just having enough power sliders and fastball relievers to just shut down the offense. And I'm like, this got Gabe Kapler fired. Like, <laughs> Like we know everyone, I know no one watches the NL West except for the Dodgers, but like we've seen this, it looked very familiar. It was kind of funny, but Bruce Bochy, Evan Longoria, and then the DFA Madison Bumgarner. Is there anyone else that I'm missing that has the Giants ties? So there are a couple more former Giants uh, on the Rangers. At least Will Smith is on the Rangers. Right. Yes. And Chris Stratton. Yes. We all remember Chris Stratton. Um, so no, my favorite my favorite thing about about it is this is the second year in a row that the sixth seed in the NL uh, made it to the World Series, and people are so mad about it that they're like, <laughs> "Well, how could you beat the Dodgers? And how could you beat the Braves? Those are the best teams, why aren't they in it? Because you expanded the playoffs. Like, there, there's more playoff teams. If they can't win, what's the point? Like, this is what you wanted, right? You wanted more games. You got more games. You just now aren't seeing the natural order of the universe upheld, and you're mad about it." I wish I was in a strong enough position to have any influence on this because I want to take their anger and not like not necessarily agree with it, but I want to use it to channel us back into getting the one game playoff. Since we've lost the tiebreaker plans, I feel like, okay, if we expand the field by one more team, and I know that sucks, but we can get that one game playoff back. (laughs) We can like I have tweeted this out. We could build in a way. And then it's like all the wildcard games get hosted by one team. And I know that could be a problem, but I'm just like, if people are really upset about it, let's use that anger for something instructive and at least make that those final two wildcard seeds play just a maniac game. Cause that's what's missing now. If we're going to expand the playoffs, we somehow lost the one game play in that was exciting. You know, Brandon Crawford, you know, we had these moments, uh, Connor Gillespie, come on. We, we've lost that, that love and feeling, but I mean, so so the issue with that, I think, and we'll we'll move on from this in a minute, is the same issue. It's just the same issue we're seeing, which is now you're going to make it possible for an even less deserving team to win the World Series. Yes, uh, in my <laughs> mind, it's like in my mind, it's like okay, but you set it up where it's like they don't have home field advantage. Essentially, whatever the last two teams are, they become what the Diamondbacks are. Right? It's almost irrelevant which one of those teams uh, is the last. They're the last one in. So it, to me, it's almost irrelevant. I see what you're saying, but it's like, you know, if the Padres had, if it were the Padres and the Diamondbacks 
for a one game plan and the Padres won. I mean, yeah, it doesn't look great. An 82 win versus an 84 win team. You know what I mean? Like, who cares at this point? <laughs> like, <laughs> there, It's exactly what you said then. It's like, well, they're in. I thought this was a tournament. What's why is it wrong that they're winning? Um, meanwhile, does the extra uh, volume, I guess, of Rangers, uh, giant former Giants on the Rangers tip your uh, rooting interest? Or- I, I unfortunately am constitutionally incapable of rooting for a role as Chapman. I, uh, I can't do it. I won't do it. Uh, there aren't a whole lot of states that are right there with Texas in terms of don't want to root for them like Arizona is. But Arizona and Texas are right there. So no geographical advantage or disadvantage, really. I just, oh, Rollis Chapman is, is not good. You're basically like, I hate Texas and I hate Arizona, the states. But then what? What makes me root against Texas then is yeah. a role of Chapman. It's a role of okay. Chapman, yeah. Can I give you a counter? Not that I'm disagreeing with you, but let me just say, well, how? Well, what could Arizona offer that would equal a role of Chapman? This isn't equal necessarily, but it's just something to keep in mind. Remember I mean, in do, 2011 Tom, when... Oh, they do have Tommy Pham, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. But do you remember yeah. in 2011 after Buster Posey's ankle was shattered? The uh, head of the Arizona Diamondbacks SB Nation site, Jim McLennan, wrote that article saying, good. I'm glad his ankle was shattered. I could not possibly remember that more. (laughs) So to me, the idea of Jim McLennan getting any joy out of this situation uh, strikes me as enough to root against the Diamondbacks. That, I mean, that's, that's fair. I understand it, but <laughs> I get it. Uh, a felon versus <laughs> a blogger. I understand. Yes. That makes I, I bet sense. you, I bet you the Rangers <laughs> also had some douchey bloggers. <laughs> we, hey, we, God knows that the giants do. Right. I love the idea though, of Bruce Bochy, just like getting off the couch and winning a championship though. <laughs> there is something kind of cool about that. Uh, I actually, I think I've said this on one iteration of our podcast. I've said it in other ones that I, you know, you look at it and you go, every player that's played for Tori Lavallo has liked playing for him. He's like never had good teams or the times that he's had, they've been, you know, surprisingly good. So it's like, to me, they don't feel like a fluke. They're very athletic. They're very young. The Corbin Carroll move, uh, you know, the Giants not drafting Corbin Carroll. Uh, It's going to be a fun thing to think about for a while. And I do (laughs) like that the, uh, Giants decided to do this Bob Melvin press conference to sort of, I saw a tweet, like to distract from the fact they didn't draft Corbin Carroll. (laughs) Pay no attention to that. They got Bob Melvin. (laughs) So let's talk about that. Bob Melvin, the new manager. Um, I don't think we need to even go through the candidates. I had this in our rundown. Let's talk about who they looked at. No, they only really ever looked at Bob Melvin. Yeah, they they interviewed some people in case they couldn't get Bob Melvin. And then they got Bob Melvin. They're like, oh, there it is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think there was some people saying like, oh, I hope they're not interviewing Alyssa Nacken as like a token thing. But I think when whenever a manager goes, for the most part, a lot of the people that are left behind do get that opportunity to interview. I mean, maybe it was just like a, a gesture, but it was like standard industry practice. And that she got to interview didn't necessarily strike me as tokenism. And so far as like, yeah, they offered it to her because she was on the staff and she's been there for a few years. But I'm also also like, it makes sense that she wouldn't get the job. It, it makes sense that Kai Correa wouldn't necessarily get the job or even Mark Hallberg. But it's also at the same time, like, let's 
let's take a moment and reflect on these are people that maybe in a few years time, they're going to be legitimate candidates uh, anywhere, you know? Uh, and I think that's a, like a credit to Gabe Kapler and Farhan Zaidi and, and the team for putting them in this place to succeed. Like, I don't feel like anyone thinks that the rest of the staff was the issue. Like, I think it, I think it really does come down to like, I think we're, we're tired of Gabe's bit. Let's Wait. just get a new bit in here. The the man pulled the skin off chicken, off fried chicken. I, <laughs> how long can you deal with that? Honestly, four years, it's a miracle. You know, they wanted kind of a different vibe. I think that's sort of the big thing. And, you know, it's important. I think it's important to say that, yeah, it, I don't think it was likely that Alyssa Nacken was going to get the job. Um, and I think they knew that. And I think probably she knew that. But first off, you know, you're helping her see the process, go through the process. So maybe the next time she'll she'll know kind of a little bit more about what to expect, how it feels in that interview, how to prepare herself for it. I think that's doing her a favor. I, you know, probably they weren't going to hire Kai Correa either. And they knew that going in. So it's a same, it's the same thing for him. You know, it's, I don't think it's necessarily tokenism for either of them. Um, you know, Nobody is obligated to give a last like it's not like there's a there's a Rooney rule for women in baseball where you have to hire a, a woman. Or you have to interview a woman, even though, you know, you're not going to hire her. And so to sort of to, you know, give her that opportunity and to show her, I think that's more doing her a favor than tokenism. I, I, yeah, like you said, I don't think it's likely that she was going to be picked. And basically the for the Giants, the, the only question was, will the Padres be cool with this? Like if we're like, hey, hey guys, sup? Mind if we uh, we steal your guy for a little bit? Give him, give you know, if you're happy in that relationship, you're not going to say yes. Yeah. So, uh, the Padres didn't even ask for compensation uh, because they considered it so much of a favor. Because AJ Preller probably personally considered it so much of a favor for the Giants to take Bob Melvin off his hands without mm-hmm. him having to pay out that last year of the contract. It kind of worked out for everyone in terms of getting what they wanted this offseason. It's just we'll have to see if what they wanted was good. So I I asked Doug, listener, before we did this, like, let's try to come up with two pros and one con for this Bob Melvin hire. And obviously, we're a, we're a couple of idiots. We don't know. We know anything, so, you know, and it's like, what what does a manager lend to a team? It's sort of hard to say. I think they can help the team a little bit and they can probably hurt the team more than they can help. You know, we we've all worked in large groups before and we can tell that sometimes it's easier to weigh down the whole group than it is to like be the total star that actually makes everyone better. Um, Usually everyone pulling in the same direction is what makes the thing better. Anyway, Doug, what's one of the pros that you came up with? Um, It seems like just from the outside, one of the problems with Gabe Kapler is that he was too much in lockstep with Zaidi's ideas. Um, and you need a manager who's going to be at least partially open to that, um, who's going to listen, who's going to take it into consideration. But he's also going to kind of have his own thoughts about what to do. And I think Melvin is a really good choice for that. Um, he obviously worked with Zaidi in Oakland uh, a bunch of years ago. But he also, so he's familiar with the analytics. He will work them in. He's comfortable with that. But he also has that like old school baseball mentality because he was a player back in the 80s. So I think he'll be able to blend sort of 
yeah, the numbers say we should uh, platoon everybody on the team and pinch hit in the third inning with, come on, guys, we're not going to do that. That's stupid. Like, which is, you know, those are both kind of important things to think about. If we have to win this game right now, we have to have it, then yes, you're going to pinch it in the third inning. If it is a, a Wednesday afternoon in June and you are playing the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, then you don't have to do that. You can build the confidence in your players. I think that is a pretty, that's a criticism that a lot of people had of Kapler, which is he went to that well way too much. And I think Kapler, that's the sort of thing that um, that Melvin will be better about kind of restraining himself and trying to build up confidence in his players. And you already saw like Logan Webb texting Ann Killian saying, I'm so excited. I'm so pumped. And, you know, the fact that he engenders that sort of reaction from other players, that was my pro was that, oh, he gives them um, a credibility with on the ground, everyday players that they did not have. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Like he gave, you know, Gabe Kapler probably gave confidence, I think, to the younger players trying to figure things out. But, you know, eight guys, 18 to 26 on the roster to mirror your lockstep argument, he and Farhan Zaidi, 18 to 26 of the roster, that's their bread and butter. They yeah. they love that back of their like they're like good rep programmers at a at a movie theater. But like Bob Melvin is like the the studio producer saying, "Here's our hit movie. I know how to program this hit movie. Like when to release it, what's got to be in it, how much it could cost, like all that stuff." And I think he's the one that like appeals to the A listers. I think that is probably one of those things we probably either not took for granted, like we just assumed every manager by virtue of being the manager, had that ability. But Doug, I think it took until Gabe Kapler's tenure to realize, oh, some guys are like too much buddy-buddy or too much obviously trying to be in with the players, and it just turns them off. Maybe it was like John, like maybe Gabe Kapler made too many players feel like how John Lester felt when Buster Posey tried to recruit him. (laughs) And, And it's like, you know, you know, John Lester was already like a singular grump so the idea that Gabe Kapler was flipping more normies to being a grump, that's that's definitely a big problem, I would think. Um, so the fact that players are even excited to be around Bob Melvin seems like a, a good change of pace. Yeah, I think so. What about uh, any other ones, pros? Uh, so my other one is it's extremely uh, valid and smart. It's that, uh, you know, the, the last time the Giants 
coach the manager from the Padres who had a year on his contract left. That went pretty well. <laughs> so, I mean, can I boil yours down to like owning the Padres again? Yeah, right. Like, like, like yes. yeah, it's as, and it's not just that the Padres are going to feel that. It's that I feel like the way the universe works, that the Giants are supposed to own the Padres. So maybe they can't succeed unless the Padres feel like dupes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a good one. These are so a lot of vibes. So, yes, I think vibes, we're all, yeah. the vibes are different. Um, I think I was going to say, I, I mean, we're all kind of clustering around the same ideas, like the in-game management stuff. Listen, this is my recollection of Bob Melvin as an everyday manager. Why I thought he would work in San Diego is. San Diego has a problem where the vibes in that clubhouse sucks. And the fact that Bob Melvin got swallowed whole by them does concern me to an extent, but I also have to acknowledge that AJ Preller could be an absolute maniac that we don't have all the facts about, but it's something to keep in mind because beyond the vibes, I never was all that impressed with his in-game management moves, the pitching changes and all that stuff. I don't know. I kind of feel like that's something where him working with Zaidee, all that stuff, that stuff that could probably be managed. So that kind of leaves that the the pro thing is if after you sweep the Dodgers, I'm going back to it, Doug, <laughs> if after you sweep the Dodgers, you have an 82 weighted runs created plus for the next three months. I'm pretty sure that Bob Melvin, because he did it several times in San Diego, is going to fucking close that clubhouse and he's going <laughs> to do some screaming. And he's going to be like, what's going on? I'm not like a maniac, but he's going to be like, something is going on here and we need to address it. And I think the uh, policing the clubhouse, letting people whatever is one thing. And I actually do respect the thinking behind that. But at the same time, it's a results business. And I would imagine at some point a manager is going to be like, these results suck. What's going on here? You're the ones producing the results. You know, I'm a manager. I can only manage it, but you, you're giving me nothing. So what's going on here? I, I would like to think he will confront the actual issues facing the team on the most basic level. And it feels like Kapler and Zaidi stayed at the abstraction level. Like, oh, how are we? What are our processes? And I imagine Bob Belvin's going to be like, can we hit? <laughs> um, How you also, stop walking, guys? Like, <laughs> just gonna do that. <laughs> um, did Did you ever watch Generation Kill? No. Okay, so it was this miniseries on uh, on HBO about, based on the book, based on, based on, uh, on yeah. the book um, about the Iraq War. So there was this kind of running thing at the beginning of it, where like the higher ups would just on a whim change the policy, the the like haircut policy, and it would piss off all the grunts. Um, and then they like grumble about it and then you kind of forget and they do it again another day, like in the next episode. Um, and so then at, in the last episode, they're all sitting around and then you're finally like in the room with the higher ups and they're like, yeah, morale's pretty low. The guys are kind of turning on each other and they're like, should we get them to hate us again? They're like, yeah, let's do the hair thing. <laughs> I feel like Bob Mel would be more likely to do that than Gabe Kapler would. Like Gabe Kapler would through a bunch of corporate speak. Right. Just be like, you know, I treasure these relationships. And I think it makes us stronger and all that shit. And Bob Mellon like, fuck that. You need to fucking hate me. You can fucking hate me as long as it make you play better. I That's a great point. Um, I really like that. All right. Here's my con. Yeah. Such as it is. I really think this is an extension of last offseason 
where Farhan Zaidi is making the most of the conditions he that are uh, uh, forced on him. I feel like Bob Melvin is not a compromise pick in the, in the sense that we think like something's being lost. It just feels like he is threading a needle again, that all these conditions. So he had to win back the clubhouse. He had to win back the season ticket holder base. He had to do something that would keep his job and he got an extension out of it. This is, I mean, it was extreme credulity that they would hire a new manager when he had one year left on his deal. So given that, What's the one way that would satisfy two things? He could keep his job longer and get the manager that makes him happy. And I don't think he's good a good enough actor to pretend like he was unhappy with this move at the press conference. He seemed t- totally fine with it, to be honest. Um, and But also like execute the system he wants and have someone that bought into it enough that could provide enough pushback to also provide him with some CYA because now far anxiety says, well, you know, it's a partnership between the two of us. So we both share in the success and the failures, right? That's now, now the, the tilt of that changes a little bit where they're not in lockstep, like you said. So I guess what the con is, is there's an ownership weight on everything going on that I'm feeling when I watch it. And maybe that's just my own issue. And so I guess what I'm saying is like, this is a marriage that could feel a little forced, and I don't know what that means going forward. The positives are sort of more overwhelming, though. The idea of them being able to sit in a room with Shohei Otani or Yamamoto or um, the center fielder, uh, uh, Jung-Hoo Lee, and and have Bob Melvin be like the bright, shiny uh, white knight in this situation. Is that racist? I don't know. <laughs> to, be, to be the knight in this situation... Uh, strikes me as an overwhelming positive. If that changes their fortunes on free agency, great. Uh, but the cons just seems like the the president of baseball operations is maybe not in total. He doesn't have both hands on the wheel because he can't. He's not allowed to. That's it. That's my con. So my, my con is sort of related but different because I do think this is Farhan's pick. I do think he always wanted Bob Melvin. And I think it's it's kind of boring. And it's mm. not that... And like you can you can do a, make a boring hire. That's fine. Like Bruce Bochy was a boring hire, um, but what we were promised with Farhan is someone who's going to have different ideas and different strategies. And so far, what we've seen from that is hire a bunch of guys from Driveline. Sure, great, that's worked out, right? And then uh, claim a bunch of dudes on waivers. And so I, and you know, you know what the big idea was. Hiring Kapler didn't work. So is that is the is this just who he is now, where he's going to do the thing that the industry thinks he's going to do? Is he going to go? Is he going to win eighty three games like the industry thinks he's going to win? Um, and you kind of look at it like, is this the team that is he the guy? Is this the guy who is who he was supposed to be? Because um, he was he was supposed to wow us right with his with his innovation. And he hasn't done that. He, you know, he, he built a okay 2020 team. Obviously 2021 20, was great. Um, and then since then it's been kind of downhill and you, I really I just, like this take. This is great. Yeah. You this just look great. at him and you're like, I don't see it. I just, I just don't see what he was supposed to be. The, the boring part of it is like somewhat excusable, 
but it's what you said. Like, so you hired a bunch of driveline people and then people you work with on the Dodgers and A's. Yeah. And it's like, that's what everybody does. Get the people, you know, that you're comfortable with and then get the top specialists in your industry. And if you can buy them out or lure them over now, the experts elsewhere become your experts. Like this is not new stuff. <laughs> I, so I, to me, the, the ultimate example of this, and I don't think the giants are anywhere near this, just to be clear. But I remember in 2004, it was Dennis Erickson's second year with the 49ers. And every <laughs> bit of the hype was, you know, last year it wasn't a great year, but he didn't have his guys. He brought in his guys this year. He's more comfortable with the people who's going to be on his coaching staff. You know, he, they're really going to get it done. And then, Brian, they fucking didn't. That's well, not it's, what It's so weird because it's like, really? What, when, what did people ever think? that Dennis Erickson was a guy like uh, to me, it was just absolutely stunning that Dennis Erickson was ever considered to be like for the 49ers. Like Bill Walsh is a very tough act to follow. Okay. And he, at that time he was still looming large over this. So like Shanahan, all that stuff, like that's, you know, the the Nepo babies running the 49ers. I'm, I'm enjoying (laughs) the Shannon Freud. I'm enjoying watching them flame out with all the hype. It's great. But I mean, like, it's tough. It's a tough act to follow. And I don't think Brian Sabian's any sort of genius. He just seemed like a grunt who did the work to to a large degree. And he certainly had ideas and relationships. And I actually think this is the part of like to me that I'm never I'm I think I'm a little more positive about Zaidi than maybe you are now. But maybe we're not that far apart. Maybe you think he's in the you're like, I like him 54 percent. And I'm like. <laughs> I'm like 62%. Uh, I think he's definitely turned the franchise in the right direction. I think the the better question, and maybe this is for a different podcast, like a different episode, but like I definitely think like he turned the franchise around, but is that something that he did that was especially different from the next guy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, if you had surveyed the market, obviously Bobby Evans, not the guy. But if he had gotten anyone, if Scott Harris, you know what I mean? Like if it had been Scott Harris instead of Farnsight or just whatever, this is the next guy who had the same sort of, uh, you know, analytics or, you know, advanced, you know, biometrics, all that thinking would it had would the Giants turn around have, you know, would it have been any faster? And I think that's that is what was promised. That's the deficit is like this guy is a genius. And all we're saying is like, you know, he's just. You know, he's competent. He's like right. solid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. So can, can I pivot into my ageism talk yeah, here? Okay. <laughs> I, so the criticism I've gotten online is that I sound like a petulant young punk. And I think anyone who actually listens to our show and reads my writing knows I'm old and I'm dumb. Yeah. So I guess I'm just asking what's going on here. John Shea seems to have had an oversized uh, role in all of this. It feels like it anyway. 
He's been writing about the need for the Giants making some big changes for a while. I still remember listening to Farnsidey's end of the season press conference and him sounding like Rain Man about platoons. He wrote this huge article about what they need to do to get the fans back, which Farnsidey cited in that end of the year press conference. I don't know if John Shea represents like very important season ticket holders or some of like the ownership group and is sort of like, you know, speaking what they want out there to put pressure on the team publicly. But this Bob Melvin move, he tweeted this like the day before Andrew Baggerly uh, leaked it out. Uh, John Shea tweeted on October 22nd, Bob Melvin makes the most sense of any names that have been mentioned to be next Giants manager. Stephen Vogt will be a great manager in the future. Melvin is about the here and now. Is he a reporter or like that's his his opinion, right? He's not saying <laughs> industry sources yeah. like that's his opinion. And he is, you know, he is installed as covering the Giants. He's like one of their big voices. He's a very important person. So he's talking to somebody is what I mean. He's not like just opining. Uh, he's putting it out there like this guy is the guy. And I guess what I'm saying is to your point about Bob Melvin being the boring choice it also feels like uh, reaching back and grabbing Tony Larusa, or you know what I mean. Like we need to go back to something that's safe because we're in uncertain times. So let's you know. And on top of John Shea mentioning Bob Melvin and hyping him up, we got this article about all the coaches that Bob Melvin could bring in: Matt Williams, Ryan Vogelsong, Pat Burrell. But I mean, Vogelsong and Burrell are with the organization. Matt Williams coming from outside the organization, but just this like cavalcade of familiar names it made me think of this even though that's not what it is but it made me go remember the black mirror episode san junipero (laughs) where old people just plug into nostalgia to live out their youth it just seems like throw as many familiar names at the problem as you can and that will solve the pr issue with the giants and then it's up to faron to get good players with the very limited budget he's going to get to purchase them uh and it kind of made me sick I don't know why the tyranny of the old people uh, has felt omnipresent for me since, since I was a kid, you know, uh, when we were in in the eighties, it was like fifties nostalgia as evidenced by back to the future. Then we got like sixties and the seventies. And now I guess it's the eighties and nineties, but it just felt like we're always catering to the John Shays of the world. I'm kind of sick of it. So, (laughs) So I guess you saying Bob Melvin's boring. And I guess for me, it's like, it seems like this weird generational negotiation. I mean, Bob Melvin's at least 10 years older than Bruce Bochy was when the Giants poached him. So it's like he is much closer to actually retiring. And it's just like, OK, I think part of the spark, what was interesting about what the Giants were doing was these young coaches. And it's like Kai Correa, it was almost silly. This guy's never been anywhere near pro ball, right? Like Major League Baseball. But it's like his results, J.D. Davis can now defend. You know what I mean? Like certain elements have clearly shown that there there was a positive uh, result from their approach, and I like the idea of giving, letting data, letting op- having an open mind, a new perspective. Far anxiety again outside the industry, the new perspective. I think that was the intriguing part of what the Giants were trying to do, and now it seems like after two bad seasons, it's like nope. Bring back Tony LaRussa or as close as we can get. We're going back to the 90s <laughs> or as all the Roger Craig uh, questions were, we're going back to the 80s. So, <laughs> Brian, frustrating. 
the Giants tried to disrupt baseball and all that all that happened is they went broke. Just like every tech company. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, but I mean, like Matt Williams, just having his name floated out there right, just yeah. makes me sick. And I'm like, Matt Williams, biggest contributions to the Giants that I know I am I am boiling him down to the meanest elements was when Brian Sabian traded him a brilliant <laughs> trade in retrospect. And when he pulled Jordan Zimmerman in the NLDS. <laughs> Those were his best contributions to the Giants. He has flamed out everywhere. And every person I've ever met or known who has met him, like I know people that have gone to baseball games with him, sat with games. He was like advising on this uh, reality show at one point or that was in the planning. And it's like, he is like a toothache. And it's like, why, <laughs> why do the Giants just want a pill on their team? And it's just like, all right, well, I guess that's what the, the people actually paying the season ticket holders actually pay the team more money than you and I do. So I guess that makes sense. You got to listen to the customers. Yeah. I mean, it's, and Hey, if Bob, well, Bob Melvin wants to bring his friend over, then I guess he will. But yeah, yeah I, I really don't like a, a fan who's like, well, I think they should hire Pat Burrell and Brian Vogel song. You don't know. You don't fucking know. How do you know? You have no idea. No idea who they should hire as a hitting coach or a pitching coach. Neither of us do. I will say this. Any fan saying, well, they got to get rid of all their hitting coaches. Absolutely. Yeah, and in 100%. fact, I tweeted this. I'm like, I don't want to hear Justin Veely's name ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's like rescuing people from like floodwaters or something. I'm like, good. All right. That's you did something. You helped the world finally. But you fu- you found job. a job you could do. That's right. All right, so really quickly, what's next? Because we've got an off-season here. So I already mentioned three of the key guys, Yoshinobu, Yamamoto, Jung-Hoo Lee, and Shohei Otani. But we've also now, apparently, as John Shea mentions, Blake Snell's a free agent, and guess who his manager just was? Bob <laughs> Melvin. Uh, so where do you think they'll go, and do you think that's much different from where you think they have to go? I mean, so the, the one note I remember saying about... Um, Zaidi being in Japan to scout Yamamoto was the Giants will spend as much money as it takes to get the players they want. And I was like, oh, that's fun. Now, <laughs> now, now they'll uh, now when they come in second, they'll they'll have outbid the other team by thirty million dollars. Great, <laughs> love it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's good. I'm a little worried that they're going to go hard after Snell, who I do not trust. Like a a guy who maxes out at six innings, I. I look at very and throws a ton of pitches in those innings. I'm like, mm, mm, that's going to go badly as soon as it hits the Giants. That's going to go badly as soon as it's my problem. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't get to face the Giants a bunch. <laughs> yeah, right. I hope they factor that in when they're evaluating him. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're they are going to look out there. I think that's good. You know, they that team has to get better. That lineup has to get better. Um, the rotation has to get better. Basically, every part of the team has to get better. So they should be looking pretty hard at all these guys. They're obviously not going to get Otani. Like, come on. Come on. The official stance of the Giants' Croncast is the Giants are not getting Shohei Otani. No, um, but they 100% have to yeah. approach him. They have to try. They have to give it the shot, even though they know uh, that it's not going to work. It'd be like if you were friends with Scarlett Johansson in, in, in high school. You'd have to try it, even though no way. You know? Also, well, in that situation, it, it's the same with Shohei Otani. I think you have to know that she likes you. Yeah. Like not like is a tr- necessarily attracted to you, but she's like, 
makes right. me You're laugh. Or like, yeah, you spend time. She's yeah. Shohei Otani. I I don't know how true this is, but it's like if the Giants had been able to have a DH when he, you know, there was no universal DH yet, he seriously considered the Giants. And I guess my question is, at that time, why wouldn't he have seriously considered them? And now, it's a good question why he would at all. But yeah, they've got to make that pitch. <laughs> yeah, you give it a shot. It's not going to work, but you did your best. Um, yeah, so, so okay. So, I talked, sorry, when I talked about Zaidi wanting to see that creativity from Zaidi, this is where we need it. We need to see him make those moves that make the team better in ways that we can't predict because he's smarter than us and better at this than us. Like, I want to see him be better at this than I am instead of him just spending, you know, $40 million over what he's supposed to to sign the good Korean guy. That's like, the other part. You're right. That's the other part of this. It's like, okay. You know, the Giants, they might have a lot of money, but that we also know that there there actually is a cap and it's lower than you think it is. Um, and so, well, good news. Good thing we got Farhan Zaidi. He'll be able to find the value or come up with creative trades. And that really hasn't happened either. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, and the Jamie I mean, Davis trade was trade was good, but he he very much turned into a pumpkin in the second half last year. So, well, I mean, so did the whole team. You got to figure right. that out and you got to figure out what happened there. Maybe that is a managerial thing as well. Bob Melvin recognizing the signs of like, hey, in the second half, you guys have got to stop jerking off so much or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so, but do you, you imagine they have to go big do you, and do you think that's what's maybe going to happen? Uh, like so, so, so why I'm clear, like we're both saying they're gonna pursue Otani. They have to. Yeah. yeah. Out of the out of Yamamoto and Lee, I feel like they have to get one of those two players. Yeah, I, I if think not so. both. I agree. Yeah, if, if not they both, can sign both, that'd be great. I would support that. But yeah, and, one of them is necessary. And the thing is, is that the Yamamoto deal is gonna have to be massive, and I think that could be an issue. And so you know, that's going to be really tricky because they have a time bomb potentially where all their opt outs opt in. And I don't know that that's necessarily in the cards, but beyond like these uh, stripling, I mean, it won't take many more for them to actually suddenly be hampered financially. If we assume that given what Greg Johnson said, they're not going to spend to the luxury tax line, which is two twenty nine. Does it even go up next year? It's like 232 next year. Yeah, I think that seems right. In any case, I think their budget is probably between 160 and 190. He did allow if we get the right player. So like, let's say Otani, then maybe we could go up. But if you're figuring 160 to 190, and just talking about what next year's deal is, they already are at about 160. This, This is unless some guys opt out. So that's, you know, they need Comforto to opt out and they need Mania to opt out. But even then you're looking at cap room of really being around like maybe getting one of Yamamoto or Lee, maybe. Because there's also a posting fee for Yamamoto, I believe. That money's got to come from somewhere. So it gets really tricky. I don't know what kind of financial... I'm not quite as pessimistic about the financial constraints as you are. I mean... Going going to two ten is still nowhere near the luxury tax. No. I don't know if they would do that or not. Um, but uh, but you know they have an internal number, and one thing that's been very consistent about the Giants for a long time, they do not le- leak that kind of thing. So it's it's really hard to tell. I will say it's possible 
even if they don't get Otani, but they, they could get Yamamoto, they might uh, be able to justify that financially by saying they're going to get more eyeballs from, from Japanese baseball fans because they would. Right. And so they could be like, well, you know, our numbers say it could be okay. This is a rabble. And so then, the, then they do it, even though it wouldn't necessarily fit in with, the, with uh, financial, with the financials outside of him. And they do have trade up uh, trade chips. Really? They have, uh, I'll rank them. Luciano one. Uh, and then, Maybe uh, on the side, Bart and Ramos um, as potential trades. Uh, but I think that's what we're looking for, I think, is the Giants. I want to see some creativity this offseason. And I think I think what I'm to end here before we get into listener questions we have um, is the idea that it's what you said. Are they going to just do what the old heads are saying? Get the manager I want and get the big name players I know. Or are they going to do a combination where it's like, okay, I've set, I've satisfied the season ticket holders for a moment with Bob Melvin. Let me work some magic over here, move some pieces around and then add a player or two here. There's a version where the giants make a big trade and then just like sign Reese Hoskins, which I'm not rooting for, but I'm just saying like, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't just have to be get one of the big names and Bob Melvin. And that's your off season. There is a version where it's like maybe it's not the big sexy move, and maybe that's what last season it is kind of viewed as. But I feel like now and looking through the rubble of last season, it really was like we went after we had we were aiming for Judge and then Correa, and then our plan C was overspend on middle tier shit <laughs> to make it look like we to to yeah. to do quantity instead of quality. Yeah, and, you know, Mitch Hanniger has not worked out. Who could have saw that? Con- oh, everybody? Oh, wow. Literally Weird. everybody. Literally to everybody, me, yeah. the, only, the only real gamble that I was like, okay, let's see what happens, was Conforto. That was the one yeah. where I'm like, okay, well, because if it works out, you could see it, um, What? why that all makes sense. And at the end of the day, it's two years. I think it was Hanniger for three years. That's where I was like, what? <laughs> If that had been two years, I'd be like, yeah, all right, that's still whatever. But yeah. All right. Listener questions. We we just had a few, but they're all very important, I think. So uh, Justin Cooper asked Jay Coops 16. Why do the Giants hate me? But quickly followed it up with. OK, OK. Apart from the hitting, I thought the general consensus was that the Giants had good coaches. What would be, what would be the logic in moving on from them? I feel like we've talked about this all, but. Is there a logic, Doug, to any of this? Uh, yeah, I mean, their shit didn't work. Also, I, the Giants do hate you. The Giants do hate you, but that's um, because of the weird pornography you enjoy. <laughs> so um, that that one's really on you. They're just kind of grossed out by it. But the as the coaches, um, obviously, they're going to move on from their hitting coaches. They didn't do the job. Um, indications are they want to keep Hallberg, Nacken, and Kai Correa. Um who are right now the good ones. And then the pitching coaches, um, you know, Andrew Bailey, it's not that Andrew Bailey is a bad coach or the Giants had bad results, but the team did fall apart on the road. Like absolute, every aspect of that team fell apart on the road. And you have to, including the pitching, um, their splits were pretty staggering, uh, especially in the second half of the year. And so you have to look at the coaches as part of the problem. Um, 
or if you're being generous, like at your most generous, probably not part of the solution. Um, so it kind of makes sense that some of those big guys, the, the you know, more impressive guys that the team would move on from. Also, apparently Bailey wants to be close to the East Coast. I don't know how much of that is spin and how much of that is true, but um, that is something that was reported. Andrew Bader asks us, why was Mackie Sasser not interviewed? I didn't do uh, any research for that question. Yes. So he's a, a former catcher. He was with the Giants in 1987. Uh, I think he just wasn't managerial material. I want to know why Tom Lampkin didn't get an interview. Where's Kurt Manwaring on the list then? Yeah, if we're right. talking about 80s Giants catchers. Come on. <laughs> I, well, I feel like we can expand it past the 80s. Um, I feel like we can we can say, why, why not Brent Main? You know, Scott Service is a manager right now. Why not Brent Main? Um, <laughs> he wants it cleanup. <laughs> he wants it cleanup. So there's a lot of good options out there that the Giants didn't consider, all of whom uh, were former Giants catchers. Edwards Guzman, he could also play oh, third base sometimes. Loved, loved Edwards Guzman. The the baseball game I had for the Sega Dreamcast, he was he was my catcher. He had great power. <laughs> Sorry, Benito Santiago, but I'm an Edwards <laughs> Guzman way and the whole way through. Uh, Benito Santiago, the last National League catcher to win the gold glove, playing fewer than 100 games at catcher, which is probably the only point in Patrick Bailey's favor. He's a finalist for the NL gold glove. Two more questions. Is there a worse product the Giants could associate themselves with than Cruz? This is also from Andrew Bader. Who is the most repugnant person the Giants could hire and still keep their fans? Oh, there's three questions here. Is there a worse product the Giants could associate themselves with than Cruz? The autonomous vehicle company that the state of California's Department of Motor Vehicles recently suspended indefinitely? Hmm. <laughs> I guess lead. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't. I mean, lead is very a profitable industry. Um um, the, I mean, if this were the seventies, it would have been, uh, asbestos or mercury uh, soda. How about mercury? Yeah. Soda? <laughs> uh, who, well, I guess it's an interesting question. What is there a worse, like sort of Bay area product they could have associated themselves with than cruise cars for kids. <laughs> I mean, the cruise is the tech version of cars yeah, for kids. Exactly. For being honest. Yeah. <laughs> Who is the most repugnant person the Giants could hire and still keep their fans? This is with, with the managerial search. I mean, listen, Gabe Kapler was already pretty high on that list <laughs> when they hired him. Uh, so I guess this time around, if we're talking about former Giants catchers who could have been hired, AJ Prozinski, obviously. Oh, oh yeah, that's oh, that's a rough one. I don't know if they've kept their fans with him. The fans really hated A.J. Brzezinski. I still hate A.J. Brzezinski. He yeah. knows everyone in the Bay Area hates and him. And rightfully so. Yes. Paul LaDuca? <laughs> He'd be on that list probably too. If we're just talking about catchers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll always remember um, in the Mitchell Report, there was a picture of Paul LaDuca's check and the memo section. He wrote, thanks, with an exclamation point. <laughs> On the other hand, uh, could you imagine if Eli Whiteside had been involved in the search? Bruce Bochy would have like flown in during the playoff game and been like, I've given Eli my full support. <laughs> he was Buster's backup for so many years. Yeah, uh, Whitey's got what it takes to lead this yeah, team. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then our last question 
the most important question I think I've ever been asked. Uh, this is from the best detective on the West Coast, weed detective, Wolfman Zach asks, Chewbacca is naked, but they never show his dick. What's up with that? That This is the question that caused me to email Brian back to say, God, that Wolfman Zach question is so <laughs> fucking good. Well, my first response upon reading that was to pivot to the science fiction I know, and that's Star Trek. And to take the Star Trek six line, not everyone keeps their genitals in the same place. <laughs> so that was my first thought. <laughs> but he is naked. So I, mean, I guess it, it could be that while his penis is flaccid, it's covered by all the Wookiee hair. The the Wookiee fur, it's like a drape, yeah. a curtain. Right, exactly. That just comes down, yeah. Uh, also, you know, he's got that, that sash, that belt that he's wearing all the time. Uh, maybe it's just covering it up. It's just like a, a weird string bikini at yeah, the same it's time. It's entirely possible. Um, but I think we all agree that Star Wars should show, show Chewbacca's dick. It's a yes. real missed opportunity. They haven't done that. Well, I mean, um, like they have like the gritty Star Wars side of it, like Andor. Yeah. You could just have a Wookiee. Right. Right. And then have to be Chewie. Yeah, it doesn't have to be Chewbacca. Like, I respect that people are like, you know what? I don't need to see Chewbacca's dick. That's fine. But like a, another Wookiee, fine. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, I think it's a great idea for them to finally make the version of Star Wars that everyone wants to see. But I think the reason why they never show it is that Star Wars is for children. It is. And it so, is for children. All right. So we will be back when there's more off season news. We're still kind of sorting out our off season schedule. Also, Doug's got uh, a new, he's a newlywed. He's got more important things to do than to have angst about what the giants might do. When we get some actionable uh, podcastable news, we will be back. Uh, but in the meantime, check out all the other podcasts on fans First sports network. There's a 49er season going on. Oh man, I'm again Schadenfreude. Oh, just <laughs> I'm enjoying it so much. Uh, don't forget to check out the Oakland Warriors podcast. You heard that promo earlier. That season has started. I'm now fully on board with the Warriors are nothing without Draymond Green, which was not really a position I had. But watching them play in that opener without J- Draymond Green, I'm like, what the hell? This is this team is nothing. Um, and you're still writing about the Giants, right, Tug? I am. I'm st- I'm writing at giantsdug.substack.com uh, twice a week, except for this week because I took Tuesday off, uh, where I will come up with content because I love providing content. You could say I love creating content. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer generating content, and I am oh, doing that at mccoveychronicles.com still. Uh, I put out an article today that did fill out what I think will be the rest of... Um, of Bob Melvin's staff taking your tweet about Bobby Estalea to heart, Doug. It's in the article. You can, you should check it out. Um, so did I steal your idea? Is that, does that count? I was inspired by your idea. It was, it's totally different. It's like when a movie is inspired by true events, the events in it don't have to be true, but I was vibrating. Yeah. Yeah. But I was vibrating with anger with all the whole, like the old names. And then you tweeted about Bobby Estalea. And I was like that, that's what the post has to be. Yeah. I think that's great. So, all right. So until next time, go giants. Go giants.